Welcome homeowners, home buyers, landlords, and tenants alike. People who just want to be better at living in a home. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Join Madison Radio's Adam Elliott, real estate broker and landlord Ben Anton, as they break down the modern day barriers of home ownership. You'll laugh, you'll cry. And if you're not careful, you'll learn. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fist curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'll Thanks for waiting. That was the waiting song from Madison day. Musician Seesaw. Welcome to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears on the Facebook at In the 608. I'm Adam Elliott, former Madison radio personality. And I'm Ben Anton, broker associate at the Lauer Realty Group, general contractor, landlord, and habitual homeowner. Oh, it's such a habit sometimes, Ben, isn't it? It's a habit I refuse to break. All right. Well, we'll work on that, or maybe we won't. I don't know. You are, uh, my, you are my support group. Well, we would like to welcome you, members of our support group, well, let's say listening audience, to Real Estate the 608. It's a podcast where we talk real estate. We're going to bring in a guest to talk anything homeownership to make you to be better at living in a home. We'll give you some nuggets of wisdom with our top of the hour tip. We're going to recap the high and the low sales in Dane County, aside our market update with Asher Messino. And what we kind of like to do is bring in people who, I don't know, we consider smarter than ourselves in some ways. One of those folks is Phil Plort. Phil Plort, president of Blimling & Associates, a division of Dairy.com. He will be in with his look beyond the 608. And we'd like to keep it local here in the 608, so we have musicians from right here in the 608 that you'll be hearing throughout our podcast. This month on the program, Merle Domer with soul restoration artists in window restoration so we've talked about new windows we're going to talk about old ones and how to make them work like new soul as in soliloquy or as in soleil right soleil moon fry as in punky brewster right frank <laughs> sure i think we're saying sol like sun right yes s sol what's been going on since last time What are the real estate headlines from California? I mean, other than the rent is too damn high. The rent. Some places. Uh, here's a little, this might be fun for a few of our listeners who keep track of things. I recently got an accepted offer uh, with Johnny San Francisco. So oh, I have, congratulations. I, Johnny San Francisco is on his way to his third Madison real estate investment rental property. Uh, that was kind mm. of fun. But uh, but here, the, I, I also am going to use this opportunity to push the, push the Instagram. Um, I'm always pointing out when I look at houses with buyers, like how when a new furnace or a new water heater uh, upgraded to, to modern higher efficiency unit, that those chimneys, a uh, home's chimney may become superfluous. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. So every every once in a while, those four square feet uh, could mean could mean more opportunity or options. So in the mm-hmm. case in the case of the tiny home on La Follette that uh, that that the Instagram consultant and I recently purchased, uh, we took the chimney out. And there was actually some yeah. ki- some kind of neat taking the chimney out pictures on Instagram. So, <laughs> so go ahead and check that out. Even even a little nice slow motion chimney demo footage. Yeah, that's what I did on my first home. Uh, everything the uh, the venting was routed out through pipes in the basement. There was mm-hmm. no fireplace, so we just said, "Hey, let's." Uh, Let's take that extra to what two square feet that was a chimney, and that's extra closet space for us. <laughs> so, uh, so you'll be able to check that out. I, I'm quite proud of that project coming along, and maybe because uh, Instagram consultant is co-owner, uh, we'll see some more uh, some more pics on that project. Exciting! It is fun to like dismantle those bricks. One. So coming up, we one of three, we believe, artisan window restoration specialists in Madison, a market formerly. Cornered by by Larry Pinger, the Sash Man, which I recall because he used to advertise in the East Side <laughs> News, and, it, uh-huh. and there was a cute little advertisement with a cat and it, and it was with a ruler holding the window up. It said, "Lose the stick." Um, so Merle, in her email <laughs> signature, reminds people to simply save old windows. Um, as I age, I, I I wonder if perhaps I should be more into saving old things than replacing them. Um, but we will uh, we will talk to her about old windows, uh, and after this brief break, we will be back with Asher and the top of the hour tip. 
Hi, this is Liz Lauer, founder of the Lauer Realty Group. I take pride in having highly educated realtors who are passionate about their clients' pursuits. That passion translates into buying the right home, condo, or investment property, or when selling those same properties for clients, creating a highly stylized marketing plan that yields the best results. The core of the success comes from continually educating ourselves, our clients, and staying focused on key topics and strategies that will help us advocate for them like no other firm. Real Estate in the 608 is a window into our world that gives our listener market updates, current lending trends, home maintenance tips, remodeling help, and so much more. When you need our services, give us a call. Till then, sit back and enjoy and learn. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. It's time for the top of the tip from Asher. We don't often get into real estate investing lingo. Yeah, so a really common way that investors get started is called the Burr method, which stands for buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. So basically, you buy your first investment property, it's probably going to be a little run down because maybe you don't have a lot of money at first, and that's good. So you rehab it, you rent it out, and then once you build up more equity with that home, you refinance it, get that money to then put that towards another investment. So you're going to keep it and move on your way to project number two. Exactly. House hacking. What's that? House hacking is when you purchase a multifamily property and then you owner occupy one of those units. So basically you're having your portion of your mortgage payment paid by the other people inhabiting the other unit. All right. So burr. (laughs) And house hacking, thank you. That's our top of the hour tip. We'll be back in a little bit uh, as we learn about uh, our guest this month, Merle Domer, a fantastic resource as it relates to your old windows. Boy, I want to keep you You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. We're back with Merle Domer, born on the banks of the Hudson River in eastern New York State, raised in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Merle moved to Madison just one year ago from Des Moines, Iowa. After leaving the hospitality industry at the onset of COVID, she found her then new work on a rehabilitation team for a real estate investor more fulfilling. She has honed her window restoration craft at schools like the Belvedere School of Hands-On Preservation. She's been restoring windows across the Middle West in homes as old as 150 years. Learning and honing her craft through collaboration and continued education, she joins us now. But is she fun? And how do we learn if she's fun, Asher? We play a game, a Madison history and environs trivia game we like to call The The Way way It it Used to be. Be. But smiling faces far as the eye could see Car in every driveway, swinging every tree People can't stop talking about the way things used to be Now, Merle, you may be at a bit of a disadvantage Having moved to Madison only a few years ago Or a full year in Madison But but I'm going to hit you up with what I hope are some familiar uh, topics uh, We met just a few weeks ago at Mickey's Tavern which during my drinking days was a weekly haunt. Mickey's Tavern was originally the Yahara Hotel. The hotel takes its name from the adjacent river. Yahara is a Ho-Chunk word. That's our Native Native American uh, that settled this region are the Ho-Chunk. That might maybe be new or newish information. This region's original inhabitants. What does the word Yahara mean in Ho-Chunk? Wow, I want to say like a pet. Paddle? That's the first thing that came to my mind. Maybe like a canoe paddle. All right. This would have been this would have been how does Merle get to Mickey's from her home kind of question because on the back side <laughs> of the, the outbuilding at Mickey's, there is a, a mural. Okay. A mural depicting a catfish. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Uh, a second Mickey's Tavern-themed question. Owned by the Jane of Lazy Jane's Cafe, name one of the other Near East Side businesses that is owned by Jane Capito or one of her spawn. There are several. Yeah, there Even are. immediately adjacent, very near, on Williamson Street, or there's a couple on the, on the east side the and the Park. north side. I want to say Grandpa's. Yes. Correct. Yes. Grandpa's Pizza, I believe, is, is run by her son, Gabe. 
Okay. Gil. Gil. Okay, Gil, good, good one there. I can just say whatever. I'm the, I'm the host. <laughs> um, we would have also accepted Tip Top, Tip Top, that's North right. Street Cabaret, Zippy Lube, Zippy Lube. Oh, for sure. Oh, also, and Bussies, Bussies Tavern. Oh, okay. Yeah. You guys um, are really, I feel like, giving me just so much good a bar information. Crawl? <laughs> um, that's the bar it's crawl. It's kind of like the shortcuts I needed. <laughs> um, you are going to sit down next time at Mickey's Tavern. You're going to be able to name all the places, and they'll be like, oh, she's a local. I just want to belong. She's, <laughs> she's from around here. <laughs> well, I knew all of these things back where I was from, but now I'm starting from scratch, and I really I appreciate you letting me into the club on, this, on these. <laughs> you are one of just three artisans in Madison that works storing older windows in older homes. As you find your stride and strengths here in Madison, you have worked, you shared you'd worked with both Patrick Kelly of Matchless Made Carpentry, uh, as well as Pam Barrett, owner of Sash A, like Sash A, Sash A, um, restoration. Keeping with our tavern ownership theme, what Atwood Avenue Tavern does Pam Barrett own with her husband? Harmony Bar and Grill. Yeah. That is correct, and that's kind of new. That's in the last year. Yeah. Thank you so much. We had three out of three bells rung for, <laughs> for Murley Domer, and we will be back with all kinds of questions about about uh, making old windows beautiful again. When I meet with buyers for the first time, I go through a little presentation, and at the end it says, unpack all your boxes when you move in, and then borrow a ladder. So that borrow a ladder thing is like kind of a metaphor. What it means is that I enjoy not only helping people buy their houses, but helping them live in their houses and learn how to be better at living in the house. The same better that I try to help you with each month on the podcast. So here's an invitation. If you are planning on buying a house or selling a house, look me up. Head over to benanton.com. Maybe sign up for my newsletter under the read tab. That is what I like to do the most is help. The podcast, the newsletter, those are just some of the ways I've found to help. So you want that help? Look me up. You want a little help in between? Listen to the podcast, sign up for the newsletter. Thank you, and we'll talk soon. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. It's time for our monthly look at the market. Starting with the market update. We are still at a slow time of the year. We have extremely low levels of inventory right now. I'm sure you are hearing that from us every single month, but we are even lower than we've ever been. Even though we have really low levels of inventory, there are way fewer buyers out looking right now. So that it's means- It's amazing. It's crazy. I mean, I listed all spring. Yeah. And, and, I, and I got two accepted offers in the same week because all of a sudden there wasn't the same competition. Right. It's wild. So right now there are homes that are just sitting on the market. And there's not that many homes in general, so it's sort of crazy. Now is actually a fantastic time to purchase if you were one of those buyers that could not keep up with the competition January through June. We've been saying it for years. Highest prices paid, June and July. Then all of a sudden there's opportunity. This is the time there is opportunity. Yeah. Don't be scared off if you just re-signed your lease. You're still going to save more money if you get an accepted offer now and then sublet your place in a couple of months. All right. Thank you very much for the market update, Asher. Let's take a quick look at the high and the low sales of the last 30 days. That's inside Dane County single families. Uh, I see that there's two low price sales uh, at 35 and 90. What do those have in common? Yeah. So our two lowest sales in the past month, one was in Stoughton that sold for 35000 and that was a sight unseen offer. And then the other one was in Middleton at 90000 and also a sight unseen offer. Both just completely trashed on the interior. Totally no trashed. Nothing to look at. Bring a flashlight. Power might not be on, but... Definitely haunted. You might die in this house. <laughs> we're, I included, I, we're including both because just to, as a reminder, those, those things still happen. Sight unseen. Both ridiculously low prices, and in fact, that lowest price in Middleton, $90,000, is really only about a half mile from the highest price sale last month. Where was that? The highest price sale last month was on Lake Mendota Drive in Madison for $2.6 million. They did have competing offers. It was only on the market for about four days, four bedrooms, three and a half baths, 4,300 square feet, 
Thank you very much, Asher. We'll be back with more from Merle Domer in a moment. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's magazine for your ears. I'm Asher Messina. Joining me is Ben Anton. And today our guest, Merle Domer, is going to be talking to us about preserving old windows. In, in, the, in the olden days, Merle, people fixed things. They sure did. And, and nowadays, people replace things. That's correct, Ben. So, so, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about. Uh, so, so might one say working with you would be like a like uh, creative anachronism? There's a let's throw out some big words, uh, but like a, like like in the old way. I would. Say, do you do things yeah. the old way? I think it's a little old fashioned. Yeah, it's a little bit um, looking back to um, some of the things that were uh, valued maybe a couple hundred years ago. Typically, any window or house that was built between uh, before 1950 is going to have wooden windows. Most of the windows, if they're wooden in your older home, have been doing their job for uh, between 50 to 100 years already. And they might have some rattling or maybe some flaking paint. But underneath, there's a product that's really built to last hundreds of years. Because I can guarantee you that the new vinyl windows I've put in this home or even the wood-framed replacement windows I've put in the home next door or the third one over, they are not going to last <laughs> 75 years. I think the warranty is typically 20. That's optimistic. Okay, I yeah. Mean, I hear for, that they for, last For a vinyl than... window, I, I, I think I bought some today, and they were relatively inexpensive. Uh, side note, um, builder-grade vinyl from Stoughton Lumber... Far better than what you get at Menards, but 10% cheaper. Um, but there we go. Side note. And yeah, so Marley's looking over. She's like, you bought vinyl windows today? <laughs> like oh, no. literally on the day you were having me over, wow. you, you bought it's vinyl okay. windows? It's, wow, Ben. It's part of the bigger picture. It's, and there's a time and a place. Don't go. Here's one of, the, one of the other things we say sometimes. Don't go mental. It's a rental. Okay, yeah. As like builders in the construction industry, we have to think very in a lot of different factors. One of the I've I've talked about, or maybe in my head, maybe I've said it out loud. Asher, you could be the judge. Sometimes you can do a house a disservice by asking it to be something it doesn't want to be. There's no way. There are going to be homes that have old windows that that Merle could replace or repair that don't that don't deserve that kind of treatment anymore. Yet there are also homes that haven't been screwed up by others yet that might have 75 to 100-year-old windows that that call for that kind of stewardship. Would you either of you agree? I think that's really well put. Yeah. When you walk, steal it. when you walk into a home, Merle, what, what about a home might make you think, oh, geez, I would, I would really like to showcase these features and bring these original wood, uh, wood frame sashes and counterweights and the, the, all the things that 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 make those old windows unique. What, when you walk into a house, what makes you say, oh, this would be awesome to fix yeah, these up? That's a great question. And there's two things I look for. One is um, indications in the home itself and the way it was built and what materials were used and how old it is. And the other one's the homeowner. And um, I really like to work with people who share those values of recycling materials and um, who really care about their homes. And a lot of people are interested in learning about the homes they're buying and learning what period it was built in and what's really kind of best for the integrity of that building because a home really is a living, breathing thing that we kind of cohabitate with. And windows are a huge part of that. And we get a lot of joy out of letting the light into our homes. And um, people have questions about windows. They buy a house and can't open them or 
Why is there weird hardware that I don't understand on here? Why uh, doesn't this close? Why does it rattle? And that's when we get calls um, when somebody, you know, faces an issue like cracked glass or something like that. And then you kind of get to start that conversation about how were these built? Are these were these built by craftsmen 100 years ago? How long have these actually been here? This material is actually super high quality and can be saved. So um, I really try to feel out um, the interest of the homeowner and then also the materials. If there's wood floors and the homeowners may be interested in restoring wooden floor, hardwood floors, um, if there's beautiful trim, really, you know, marks of true craftsmanship that deserve to be restored rather than just thrown in a landfill. <laughs> you know, restored instead of filling landfills with junk like you're doing, Ben. <laughs> um, oh. For you to, to come in and, and restore and refinish with any kind of efficiency, the windows you're working on have to have seen some care or or there's a lot of luck involved. Because mm-hmm. we're talking about something that's hundred years old. If it's if it's just rotten, mm-hmm. what do you tell what do you tell a homeowner then? Yeah, it really depends um, what the state and condition of the window is when I find it. A lot of times um, the window has been worked on by previous uh, handymen or painters or window. I think there was a gentleman by the name of the Sash Man that existed in Madison, maybe still exists. He he exists. He's still alive, but he's retired. His name was Larry Pinger, and he used to advertise in the East Side News. Okay. And and that is how I know of him. But he also had a few homes on Ohio, and I think as he like... Finally retired. He also sold, sold off a few rentals. Yeah, but he okay. was a neighborhood fellow, right? And uh, and he had a cute little advertisement with a cat and a ruler, like a like a, a stick holding and that's up a good the point window. Because uh, window preservation is also about supporting local craftspeople and artisans, um, which is just you know a plug in for me. But also, <laughs> yeah, we come across other people from the past who lived in the neighborhood and did repairs. And so we find, um, you know, if somebody possibly, you know, uh, didn't address a problem in the correct way and it's going to be too hard to fix that and it really is not going to be energy efficient or cost effective or efficient to take apart and involve other contractors and take apart framing, um, then we can talk about other options. But typically, we're just finding wooden sashes that even with some years of neglect and little maintenance over 50 to 100 years, we can strip that paint and find a really beautiful, strong wooden window made out of high quality wood under there. And, and that's something to think about too. You know, just like I said, the the wood windows of yesteryear may last seventy five years, and the new vinyl will not. Um, even a even a new wood window would not last as long. Um, old slow growth woods like the like the yellow pine that we'll see on, as a secondary wood um, in some of our hundred year old homes, it can be refinished like hardwood, even though it's not. Because it grew at a time when it wasn't rushed and it was of a different era and it's, it's, it's better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is actually better. It's actually more rot resistant, uh, more resistant to moisture, which is really important for a window because it's the interface between, you know, protecting the interior of your home to all of the weather that we experience here in Wisconsin. And so you want it to be quality wood and a quality product. And vinyl is known to warp in heat. And as climates are increasing, your windows are going to start failing faster and not, you know, being able to open and close. And they're going to and I know how frustrating it is to be trying to open your, you know, screen door that's vinyl or any vinyl product. And it's not opening is super frustrating. Um, Whereas and to fix that, you have to throw away the window and just buy a new one. Whereas wood windows are built to be repaired. So you can if you can't open it, you can just call me and I'll fix it. And then you can open it again. You don't have to throw it all away. Mm-hmm. How, mu- how much of your work, Merle, is repair work? Like broken, every, everybody that has an old window likely has at least one broken sash cord. Mm-hmm. And that one, that one broken sash cord might not be creating the, the guillotine uh, of, of, 
of an old window like they sometimes do. So we're living with just one broken sash cord. Yeah, um, we're propping it up with, you know, a water <laughs> bottle or a book or whatever. It's working. Come a little bit closer. Hear what I have to say. How much of your work or your day is visiting a home and making repairs that are simple to you, but not necessarily to others who have <laughs> who haven't question. done it a million times? Yeah, um, I mean, I love replacing glass. I love, um, you know, just basically freeing a window and making it work. And replacing sash cords is pretty um, simple compared to um, some of the more complicated having to repair or even. Um, remake a wooden sash because then you're having to find uh, lumber that is um, a good quality for building the new window. But we do actually in this industry actually sometimes assess a window and say, we're going to repair this whole joint with a new mortise and tenon joint back in the shop. Um, the whole window doesn't need to be thrown away. We can salvage, you know, the rails and styles over here, but there's one joint that's rotted out. I can fix that. But re standard maintenance is replacing glass, replacing screen, repairing screen, rehanging the sash ropes, like you said, and then also weatherization. People often want to just make sure their windows are energy efficient. And you get the, uh, the questions about that when you are hearing rattling or just feeling a lot of draft through um, and that's when I can kind of come and assess what might be going on and how it could be fixed. It has been, anecdotally been something I've said for years. And now that we're having you here, I did look up and, and find the information. But, um, of course, from the Window Preservation Association. You the know, Window the, Preservation Alliance. Alliance. Wow. They, are, <laughs> they are going to tell me that a, a recently restored wooden sashed uh, window with a proper storm. Correct. That's important. Will be almost exactly as efficient as a newly installed uh, pocket replacement window of vinyl. And and I a couple couple things there. They do acknowledge that the installation of that pocket vinyl window and the restoration of the older window can help you achieve a thirty to forty percent energy savings. Correct. But that those energy savings will be nearly identical. Correct. So then I have to ask myself, and this is what, don't go mental, it's a rental. You might agree then that for a modest home that does not, has not seen care, does not have artisanal features, does not uh, warrant um, significant upgrades in any way, might be from a weather weatherization perspective is just as good with the vinyl but a home that that asks for it mm -hmm. or that has the provenance or the history that you can create a just as weather tight and efficient system with the old windows yeah that's correct i mean restoring isn't for every home there are a lot of buildings that I know restorationists will come to the conclusion that it's actually, you know, more um, beneficial in this particular case to replace. We're not freaks about it. Um, but uh, when it makes, I think we're pretty practical and when it makes sense. And again, it really depends what uh, factors you're looking at. If you're looking at if you're looking at energy efficiency, that's one question. If you're looking at cost, that's another question. But overall, they're pretty comparable. The two. Um, I think there might be a myth that restoring is way more expensive, and it's really not. Um, it's actually pretty simple and minimal. I think when you're looking at longer picture, um, there's a couple things I like to point out about restoration versus replacement, and one is the overall energy cost of replacing a window is going to, over time, um, be quite a bit more than just restoring a window. So um, from manufacturing to uh, shipping and like carbon footprint-wise, carbon footprint um, the fact that you are going to probably have to repeat the entire process and have more of the shipping and more of the installation and all of that carbon footprint happen again in another 40, 20 to 40 years at best. Um, if you can just 
not do all of that and <laughs> have somebody from your own local community come do some wooden wood rot and you know restoration repairs to your windows if you don't have vinyl windows already um, and you do are lucky enough to have wood windows in your home um, the carbon footprint thing is kind of huge right and I, yeah. I think I'd read the greenest building is one that's already built. Right. Another thing that's really interesting is that those vinyl replacement windows are actually off-gassing chemicals into homes. Well, especially with heat. So not just like on a lovely day, not necessarily, but um, in the cases of a house fire, yes, you're getting toxic dioxide, dioxin gases um, being emitted into the atmosphere, as well as in the case of wildfires, which are becoming more prevalent, um, you're also going to have more releases of those gases. Whereas wood is a, it, uh, you know, holds um, energy and carbon dioxide. So that's something that can be released and should be released into the, and it's is safe to be released, whereas, you know, the chemical ga- and gases are not necessarily. Do you make an effort to replace old glass with old glass? Uh, you know, Is that I have something to say, you do? and I I don't know what's going to happen in the next like forty years of doing this, but so far I've done one hundred and fifty plus windows, and most of the time we can just use the glass that's already in the window. If it's been replaced by someone in the past with plexiglass for some reason or some ugly glass that's not, you know, um, chronological chronological with that time period of when it was originally made or replaced or restored, um, I will try to find something that's period appropriate. But most of the time, you already have the glass that you want in your house, and I can just reglaze it in and use what's there. Um, But we do kind of all trade um, and try to hoard and salvage uh, historic glass that might be interesting or pretty or from a different time period because we do want to let people know there's a lot. If you're interested in just kind of the aesthetics of your windows, um, there's some really cool glass that can be used from our um, our little uh, stashes. Yeah. Where do you salvage those materials from? Um, so when I was in Iowa, I started learning about salvaging because there was a lot of old farmhouses out in the country that were just being um, gutted and, um, and, uh, bulldozed. And so we would literally get in a truck and go out there and fill it with as many window parts as we could. And, um, I would literally scrape the glass and, and store it and organize it and be like, okay, now I have glass for this. Um, you know, that's this length, this size, this width, um, so, you know, we're always looking for... Hey, guys, want to help me move? Salvage uh, people who are moving. People, <laughs> and I meant, I meant that that would be the law, the last thing I'd want to hear from you when you go to Des Moines to Iowa. <laughs> I got that, maybe that was Carol. just an Iowa thing, but I'm trying Car- to bring it here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much of the glass is still in Iowa? Uh, you know, some of my glass did get lost along the way and I, but, (laughs) and I am working really hard to, but I can't believe in Madison how much stuff gets put out. Mm -hmm. Um, and so honestly, it's not for lack of like it being there. It's just kind of like, well, I'm going to have you kind of a side project to to our new house on La Follette and we'll fill you, we'll fill you with some good 1930s windows. Let me know. You're not going to have her restore the windows. What did I just tell you about? This house doesn't beg for it. No. No, it doesn't deserve you were, it. You were in the house. You were in that six hundred and eighty-seven square foot house. I did see that house. house. It is a wreck. It. You're going to do wonderful things with it. It's going to be cute a as a of, button. A lot of different, you know, houses, and um, <laughs> there's definitely. I think you kind of know it when you start noticing. Oh, these windows are actually really pretty. Just kind of know. Yeah, and there and there were a few uh, rooms in this tiny tiny house that where the woodwork had been left uh, unpainted and the windows could have been restored. But then, but then you've got two brown windows and a and a you know it, some ugly stuff. Yeah, it, just, <laughs> it wasn't wasn't going to happen. Some people don't want to get replacement windows because they are smaller. Do you get much pushback on that? Um, or can, can you explain to us why someone might think they are smaller? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so th- what's happening is in an older home, 
Um, again, we're talking pre 1950s. Um, the the uh, structure in the frame was built by a true craftsman um, and was built for these wood windows to be installed. And so they fit correctly. The, f- the window fit the framing and trim. Um, then when things started to be, to be constructed differently um, and replacements were used, um, the replacement is kind of factory produced to be a certain size and doesn't isn't necessarily going to fit correctly into whatever hole the p- person who's building the house makes. And so so you're having to reproduce not only the sash inside the old frame but also an additional frame. That's right. We find ourselves having to um, look a lot at things that have been done structurally around the window where that's actually uh, where air is getting through because of the way it was constructed. And we can try to work around that. Um, But uh, with a wooden window, you really are going to be um, having a better fit in your house. And with a few repairs, um, you can get it to be more weather stripped if it has contracted and expanded and has shrunk over time. Um, But overall, your wooden window is going to fit better than a vinyl one and also let in more light because the vinyl windows have more plastic and are just kind of bigger and bulkier. And um, with a a wooden sash, it's kind of just a thinner wood sash around the glass and you get a bigger plate of glass and you get more light. And who doesn't like more light? That, you know, that is kind of one of those things people tell Asher and myself all the time. Well, what, what's the most important to you? Well, hardwood floors and light. Lots of light. Oh, I didn't Lots know that. Light. Well, that's, oh, that's good for me to hear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, cool. you're kind of like a dealer. Oh, wow. I'm going to be the light dealer. Dealer and, and, and light is the drug. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <Noted>. Interesting, then. <laughs> She's writing that down. That's good. More light. For the new, for the new advertisement. Like light. Um, I get it. I get that. So lead was banned in 1978, and so when, um, typically I tend to assume there's lead in any home I go into that's uh, built. Lead was used um, as a hardener in paint in any pre-1978 house, and it's fine unless you mess with it. If you scrape at it, if you sand it, you're going to be aerosolizing it. And that's when it's dangerous to women and children. Go figure. We don't care about the men. Um, so it's, it's women, <laughs> women only if they're pregnant. Yeah. Um, and it not does, just, but it, lead paint is not just, a, is not just aerosol. It mm-hmm. can be, it, it, it has can be to be chips. ingested. It has to be ingested. That's the thing. It's not dangerous Ingestion to look at. Is, yeah. You can look at it. Or to touch. You can Maybe touch it. Don't lick it. Don't scratch it. Don't eat the chips. And the chips, weirdly, are sweet because of the taste of lead. I I just learned that. I didn't taste them. I was not a lead (laughs) paint chip eater. (laughs) I did many other strange things as a child, but not that one. Um, So that's, yeah, it actually does have some uh, pretty serious health concerns for children um, if ingested. So um, there is a... uh, set of guidelines we have to follow as lead safe certified contractors if we're working with windows and so we follow the guidelines um, that were put in place by the DHS and um, so it's definitely part of what we do at Soul Restoration and I know that every other restoration company um, follows these guidelines as well that I know of um, to protect the homeowner and themselves from the harmful uh, effects of lead once it's being worked with because you're sanding it and you're scraping it. And um, it's mostly me that's inhaling it, but I do protect the job site and make sure it is contained and then cleaned up very well. And it, and it is uh, And doesn't get into the ground, too. An issue of cleanliness. Yep. Uh, the, a, yep. A lead-safe we work renovator clean. Um, learns more about cleaning than they do about scraping paint. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I, I was um, early in my career a lead safe renovator, and now I believe um, I am allowed to do so 
uh, also after uh, the general contracting licensure includes uh, lead safe practices. So you can bet I'm being very safe all yes. the time. Absolutely. Um, Great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All of the chores I was forced to do as a kid are really paying off. <laughs> I thought it would be but interesting. You can't use a broom, I found out. Um, oh, so no vacuum? Uh, you have to use a vacuum, and it's better to use a HEPA vacuum. But that's for me. You guys are fine. Just You guys can use brooms. But don't. When, we, when we sweep up our lead paint chips. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't. I thought it would be interesting to just spend a little bit of time talking about how you actually got into, like, what, how you got interested in window restoration specifically. So you joined a, a rehab team for an investor, but what made you so interested in window restoration? Well, I think part of it was I was very much looking for a way to be independent and um, kind of maybe even back then thinking about starting a business. And I was looking for some niche that wasn't being filled in Des Moines where I was living. Um, and I had a friend of mine who was always busy who owned a restoration company. Um, I was really lucky to meet Erica Simbro in Des Moines, who is the premier window restoration specialist there, a woman-owned um, sole employee uh, window restoration company. She was a huge inspiration to me, and I um, really just uh, met with her and kind of took notes. And then um, I think the other sort of catalyst was that um, the namesake of my business is my dog, and he was scratching my uh, trim in my apartment. And I would come home and be like, buddy, what are we going to do about this? And I just decided I'm a handy woman. I'm going to see what I need to do to fix this myself. So um, I was at home more during the pandemic and started just kind of fixing stuff around my house. And then I discovered wow, I didn't know I could do this. And maybe I could actually um, learn this and dive deeper into it. And that with the help of another local kind of inspiration, um, I realized it was kind of a good fit. I started working with her, loved it immediately, um, loved working with my hands. And then also just like the freedom that it gave me to um, kind of uh, you know, take um, things into my own hands, so to speak, in terms of owning my own business during kind of a tumultuous, tumultuous time. And it was kind of um, exactly what I needed to be empowered and um, also realized. Uh, I think there's a huge shortage um, of people going into the trades that are in my age range, you know, 30s. And um, I would love to get more people interested in learning those skills and take going to trade school. And I also um, really want women to uh, realize that um, you can do it yourself and you don't have to ask for help because Google and, um, <laughs> you know, it's really fun. There are so many women that aren't raised the way I was, but I was definitely raised that it was a man's job to fix things and I should just ask for help. And that was a big paradigm shift for me, which is why I was so passionate about it. And old houses are just cool because it's such a big part of our culture. And I think we're feeling this sort of uh, overwhelmed by all the changes and uncertainty. And I think we need to like dig deep into finding those sort of ways that we can, um, you know, fight back on the ground level. And some of that is just like, you know, picking up a trade and making sure those things that does, don't get lost in the sands of time with all the change and that we do think about what we value and um, I think we do value uh, taking care of our things. So what's the easiest way to, to get in touch with Merle? I will just tell you that my name is Merle Domer. It's spelled like Merle Haggard. And <laughs> the best way to reach me is merledomer at gmail.com. And then my Instagram handle is at Merle Domer. So thank you again, Merle, for joining us. And uh, we'll be back in a little bit with uh, to close up. But first, Phil's phone in and his look from beyond the 608. Ooh, well, thank you so much for having me. Fantastic. Thank you for coming. Going to the bar with the money from a jar. Walking there because I'll have a problem with the car. Gonna take a sip, gonna take a little trip. Gonna purchase tea and whiskey, gonna leave a big tip. Going to the bar. Time for Phil's phone in. 
Phil Plort is my business partner in Deacon Housing, president of Madison's Blimling & Associates, a dairy commodities consulting firm, a division of Dairy.com, and host of the brand new podcast, The Dairy Download. Keeping an eye on the faraway and diverse markets is what he does. Seeing how it might affect real estate here in Madison is what he does for fun. Here he is with a look beyond the 608. Hey Ben, it's Phil with a view from beyond the 608. Last month, I mentioned labor market strength as a factor in keeping the U.S. out of a recession. Let's dig into that a little bit because I think it's both the most surprising and perhaps the biggest story this year. U.S. payrolls continue to expand, with 31 consecutive months of growth dating back to January 2021. The pace has been slowing, but up is up. When it comes to unemployment, down is down. In July, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics put the rate at 3.5%, down from 3.6% in June and even with last year's level, and that compares to the 10-year average of 5%. Wages are up with average earnings at $33.74 per hour, up 4.4% year-over-year. That was stronger than overall inflation for the third month in a row. Perhaps most importantly, the number of job openings still exceeds the number of unemployed persons by a wide margin, 3.6 million in June. To me, that seems real. We still see a lot of help-wanted signs here in Madison. My clients in the farm and food space around the country continue to talk about labor shortages. Simply put, this is a big deal because people with jobs and rising incomes have money to spend, boosting just about every corner of the economy, including real estate. But if there's such a thing as too much good news, labor market strength is a factor in the inflation conversation, which inclines the Fed toward higher interest rates, pushing up monthly housing costs. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. For now, I'm confident that the current situation is much better all the way around than if we saw people losing their jobs. That's all for now. Until the next time, this is Phil with a view from Beyond the 608. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. Ben, I have a question for you. What was that, friend? That was a lot of learning about old windows. We talked not only about the fact that old windows can be made to be as energy efficient as new windows, but, but also relying on that old, that old uh, statement that the greenest building is the one that's already built. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> You're not creating waste, right? We, yeah. are, we are not creating waste by restoring. But we also spend some time talking about what, what kind of a home or a project um, is deserving of that level of stewardship. Because nothing is, nothing is free. Uh, and yeah, sure. And... If a home has not seen consistent care for its 75 years or 100 years, then it might not be an option. Uh, but we also talked about, I think, one of the other takeaways, those your old windows might be 75 or 100 years old. I guarantee yeah. you that as beautiful as those Feldco windows you put on Sudbury Way are, <laughs> that they're probably not going to last 75 to 100 years. Yeah, I think that's probably true. And, you know, there's something to be said about that classic kind of look that I think doesn't quite get captured with the new-ish kind of windows, too. Exactly. So we also noted it was our third or our fourth uh, woman guest in, in, in this season. So that was that was nice and, 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 and nice to talk to a woman taking on a trade. Uh, so not just um, not just someone taking a trade and that may, you know, that, that very few people are chasing after, but then to see that happening uh, done by a, a woman as well. So yeah, right on. Right thanks. On. Thanks to her, Merle. Uh, we'll have her uh, difficult to spell contact information available on the, on the show notes. And then, uh, and then I thank you all for listening. Yeah. Um, thanks going out to our, um, certainly our musicians who have played throughout here, including uh, Renclaw, El Donk, and the Oak Street Ramblers. Uh, Bob Westfall, Seesaw, and the Mad City Jug Band. And a big thank you to our listeners once again for and, joining us on the podcast today. And and their support. Right. That's right. They're our support group. <laughs> our We're support leaning group. on them. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Adam. You have a great day. Thank you for listening to Real Estate in the 608. Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. 
Real Estate in the 608 is a podcast for homeowners, home buyers, landlords, tenants, people who just want to be better at living in a home. If you can't get enough Real Estate in the 608 between episodes, like us on Facebook at In the 608 or visit inthe608.com for archived episodes and show notes. Remember, until you tell us, we don't know. We appreciate your listening, as well as your ratings and reviews at your favorite podcast portal. We also welcome feedback and topic suggestions via email to ben at benanton.com. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fists curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'll be a backup when you're calling my name. And come on, baby, won't you keep me safer than that high score on that? Could be taking names, and we could be record breaking. Come on, baby, won't you buy me flowers with that money spent on whiskey sours that you're buying at those wasted hours? And come on, baby, won't you talk me sweet? Instead, I'm staring at this empty seat because you got someone else you'd rather be. And we could be. So I'm singing you this waiting song